Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show group chat is brought to you by Ladder. Need life insurance? Check out Ladder Life, the smart and easy way to secure life insurance online. With traditional insurers, you can spend weeks on paperwork, broker meetings, and lab scheduling. With Ladder, you can get a quote, apply, and receive an instant decision in 10 minutes or less. Coverage can begin immediately for those who qualify. Get a free quote and learn more at ladderlife.com slash NBA. Basketball is very good. The Raptors are the best team in the East. Phil Jackson actually saved the Knicks. Mark L. Fultz will be an all-star next year. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's group chat. Paolo Getty, Kevin O'Connor, and the new host of The Watch, Justin Verrier. You got the sweater for it, brother. Uh, That's the end of game three. The Golden State Warriors put that one away and possibly, probably likely the NBA Finals. 110-102 on maybe the greatest offensive performance I've ever seen by someone who's appeared on multiple Bill Simmons podcasts. (laughs) Kevin O'Connor, can you say anything to sum up the 43-point night that Kevin Durant had? Best scorer on the planet tonight. Yeah, That's for damn sure. That that was unbelievably scored in isolations, made unbelievable passes. Played remarkable defense. It was probably the best all-around Kevin Durant performance that I can remember. Hashtag Rigger NBA if you agree with Kevin that that was the one of the best offensive performances we've seen in the finals before. Justin, I think that... I can't tell if we were like generating this c- content ourselves, like where we were talking ourselves into some sort of KD. Does he totally fit with what the Warriors system asks and all this stuff? And then you see tonight, and Curry goes uh, three for 16 with two of those baskets coming ostensibly almost in garbage time. One dagger, one garbage. And then Durant goes out and basically wins them the game. Is this why you get him? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's something Kevin was saying just a little bit ago. This is what you need Kevin Durant for. When everything kind of shuts down, when Steph Curry can't hit from three, you can just turn to the best player in the game. I think it's a really bad sign for the Cavs when, yes, they played better than we thought they would. The games have been closer than they thought they'd been. But if you can't win a game like this where Steph, ostensibly the finals MVP going into this game, can't hit a shot, then maybe you weren't in it at all. I think we shouldn't. Though we, I agree that Steph had a bad game, and this is exactly why Kevin Durant is there to step up and hit those shots. I think those two threes or two shots by Steph essentially set up the eventual KD dagger. So I think sure. it's all about the timeliness too with the Warriors. It's like your knockout punch has to be so big. I guess that he can afford to be fashionably Selective. late. Though. Exactly, right. exactly. That's and then it's like, what are we doing here? Like, what, what are we doing punch? here? What are we doing? Is this, is this, is this over? Is this, yeah, it's been yeah. over. It's been yeah. over. Was it, it over, over before we tipped yeah, off game one? Yeah, it was over. I mean, the Cavs were in this one. I believe in LeBron James. I believe in Rodney Hood with the comeback Rodney game. Hood, baby! <laughs> we'll Woo! get to Rodney Hood. Uh, so we essentially think that this series is over. I want to eventually talk about whether or not winning one finals game in two seasons is enough of a, an enticing, enticement for LeBron to stay in Cleveland. <laughs> but before we get there, let's do a little pluses and minuses, basically our winners and losers for night. We talked about Kevin Durant. That's a huge plus. I do want to ask one thing in regards to Steph Curry, though. Can Steph Curry and Kevin Durant have a good game at the same time? 
Yeah, I, I think they can. I, it's just the way this one played out. I mean, last game, Kevin Durant had a pretty efficient night. 10 of 14, right? I right, think, yeah. yeah, underneath Steph's incredible game. And it seemed like Steph wasn't shooting well to start with, but then turned it on, hit those record threes. And when he puts up those numbers, I think everything else becomes obscured. But Kevin Durant has been low-key pretty consistent throughout this entire finals. I think Cleveland's defense deserves a little bit of credit, which is hard to give, but yep. they at least took the ball out of Steph's hands, made yeah. it tough on him. Granted, that led to easy at-rim opportunities for JaVale McGee. It led to everything else, some Draymond layups, Draymond kickouts. Um, they took the ball out of Steph's hands, at least. I mean, I think it's interesting that, like you said, JaVale had good games, but I mean, like over, overall, I think, like, does it really matter if they can have if they both can have a good game at the same time, you know, like, I think stylistically, it's more fun to watch Steph go yes. off for 30. It's than, an aesthetic question. Yeah, exactly. No yeah. So, and yeah, personally, I, actually, I prefer Steph. I don't care. Like, the first quarter, the Cavs got up to that nice lead. The Warriors got tied, evened, evened up with them when it was Durant and the flotsam on the jet, on the bench that they play. You know, it was Durant, Livingston, I think Bell got in there. Whoever they were had, it was surrounding Durant basically with a bunch of guys who were there to play defense and rebound. And that's an interesting switch from the pure system of ball movement and off-ball cuts yeah. and backdoor cuts and three off-ball screens to get an open three-pointer that we're used to seeing from them. It's almost like two different teams yeah. within one, right? Like where they can turn on that ISO mode if they need to around KD, or they can go into that hyperactive ball movement, you know, with off-ball screens and cuts and everything when they have certain lineups on the floor. But that's obviously the nice thing about having Kevin Durant, the best scorer on the planet on your, on your team, because when everything else isn't working, when Steph isn't hot, Clay even tonight, only four for 11 for only 10 points. Yeah. When those guys aren't hot, you have Kevin Durant where he can just ISO at the top and pull up and hit threes with a hand right in his face. It did seem like Cleveland had made an effort to make Steph the focal point on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. And so they targeted him on on defense. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely trying to trap him on offense, do a little bit to throw him off his game. And like pretty much every time LeBron got the ball, he was calling for the switches, going through two or three screens in order to get Steph. So he was really guarding uh, LeBron more than he probably had in the first two games. Yeah. And it seemed like Steve Kerr and the, the Warriors players just made the adjustments that were necessary, both in terms of understanding some of the trapping that Cleveland was doing on one side of the floor and actually boxing out Tristan Thompson and it felt like Kevin Love started drifting towards the corner on offense. He had a really good game, but I felt like he was way more involved on the boards in the first half and then started to float out to this corner three shooter. Love played like the second best player on this team with all due respect to Rodney Hood and it just wasn't enough tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, the the interesting thing is the rebound thing because in the first half it seemed that they had a pretty good strategy of just getting into many rebounds as possible, and that was working out because they were getting second chances and they were making shots. But then when the other role players, maybe aside from LeBron and, Ke- and Kevin, started you know, coming back down to earth, aside from, like you said, Rodney Hood, then it was, okay, what are we doing here? Kevin Love was more on, on the wing than, than uh, down low in the paint. It was just, it, they were more confused than anything, and I think that led to bad defense, more so than it's necessarily bad offense, and that's where they got them, because, I mean, you can't defend. It's, it's really weird how it seems like in all three games, they've just started out with Kevin Love. They, they called some corner actions for yeah. him in games one yeah. and two. And then this game, he's re- really feeding the ball through him a little bit. And then it just fades away. Yeah. It's really odd how that's happened. Three shots in the second half. To that's, your that's not acceptable. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, and that you can see Cleveland as the game wore on just the deterioration of any kind of plan. <clears throat> the plan yeah. was 
uh, I'm going to pass it back to LeBron. And that's understandable. I mean, he is a force of gravity, but it's it's really strange that they don't have anything to actually run towards the end of those games, especially when the Warriors are really getting back in it. Yeah, I thought it was going to work out so that LeBron was more rested in that second half. Yeah. He was going to take more of the offensive load, but didn't really give way to that. If anything, it, it allowed Hood more opportunities. Maybe that was just because they were willing to give him any shot possible, and he just hit a few, and they kind of snowballed from there. But maybe that threw them off what they were doing. They just went with the hot hand, got away from love, and then from there, the Warriors just started hitting shots. It's unorganized, right? Like, it's, it's the opposite of the Warriors, where you they're so methodical, but also can adapt to different situations, whereas with the Cavs, it seems like when they need to adapt, they just kind of, like, don't know what to do. Yeah. So I don't even know whether you call Kevin Love a plus or minus. He had 20 points and 13 boards. Zach, are you seeing anything out there on social? That- yeah, one of the questions that keeps popping up is, did Kevin Durant close the argument on uh, the MVP race? For the finals? Yeah. Well, we were we had anointed Steph Curry that. this is this. You go into Cleveland and you you have a game like this when Steph Curry is is, is has a, a three for 16 shooting night. I it's hard not to give Kevin Durant the NBA the, the finals MVP for the second year in a row. No, his game one wasn't spectacular. I believe he was eight for twenty-two. I think now we need to have the conversation whether or not LeBron is the front runner tonight, 33 point triple double, and he's really been the best player on the floor. You can't give it to a guy who gets swept though. I don't know. I can't, I mean, no, I can't, I can't do that. Hashtag NBA. Do you think you can give the NBA Finals MVP to a guy who's on a team that got swept? To a you loser. Can, you can <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, if you don't win a game, if like literally if he wins one game, and that's like a really good case. If, yeah. If you like the concept of a player carrying his team in a game or in a series, that's what Durant did tonight. Like he essentially had his LeBron game. But he won. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so then I think the MVP goes to him. Like well, we gave it to Westbrook that. last regular season. Okay. Let's litigate this. real, we have one game to go. If KD goes off again in Game Four, then perhaps he has an argument over Steph. But it's I the think only Steph, interesting storyline left. That's it's which is true. A bummer. Uh, do you guys think that um, there's anything that the Cavs can do in the fourth game here to? Put up more of a fight than they, we saw tonight to get to get to steal one game in Cleveland to extend the series to five games. Um, Do you think they're going to have the willpower? I mean, they did last year when they were down three zero. They won Game Four. Yeah. Um, look, it's it's a couple of things. A, they need to start hitting their threes. They, they when they get their open shots, they need to actually hit those. J.R. Smith is just ice cold right now. Um, they need to continue to keep feeding Kevin Love over the course of the game. They their defense needs to needs to not be Swiss cheese. As it has been. Can really, I get some more Larry Nance? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't like. You need Rodney Hood to go off again. I don't know if you're going to get that. They, there's so many ifs with this team, which is why I thought it was going to be a sweep in the first place. Let's give Rodney just, Hood his due as a plus <laughs> yes. or minus. He was an obvious plus, plus. One of the most yeah. besmirched players of this NBA postseason, and Rodney Hood ends up this game with 15 points, uh, six boards, <clears throat> two blocks. Minus 12. Advanced <laughs> analytics. Were you to say that? Yeah. <laughs> I trust the math. Here's my thing about Rodney Hood. I feel like, and I said this to you guys, like, he was decent enough to where you wonder what if those Jordan Clarkson minutes from game one would have been Rodney Hood's? Things have gone differently. Maybe because they wouldn't he, have. he was playing as if being in Oakland was like playing on Mars. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm I just, I don't know. I, I wish there was an alternate reality where we could have seen if what Ronnie Hood would have been like in that game one. I know that, you know, he didn't want to go in in, in the Toronto series and all that. And like, you have to bench him, whatever. But at, at least there was something there. It, at the same time, though, I think if you're relying on Rodney Hood mid-range jumpers, like right. that's probably not a good place to be. <laughs> well, Kev brought up a really good point. The, the Cavs were a three-point shooting team during the regular season. They shot the fifth most in the entire NBA, 
They've kind of still shot about the same amount, but they haven't been as successful. So I'm wondering if the, you go even smaller. If you're at the kitchen sink sort of spot in the game plan. So we drop Tristan out of the starting lineup? What do right. you think? Like, yeah, it's been moderately successful, and it might actually open you up to even more just like bigger loss than even before. But I wonder if you're at the point where maybe you go all wings next to LeBron and just try to outscore them. I don't think it would work, How about, but who knows? You got James Posey, assistant coach of the bench, throwing him out <laughs> there on. with all wings around LeBron. You might as well do something because the series is over, baby. I think we're at the point where we just shouldn't start talking about where LeBron is going. Like, I mean... Well, we could talk about that. We're talking well, yeah. about LeBron anyway with pluses and minuses. Did you guys have any more pluses or minuses you wanted to throw out there? Before JaVale we... McGee! Yeah, 10 Woo! points! He JaVale McGee often will have a moment where he'll make a move or he'll yeah. show a display of athleticism that gets him seven and a half feet of open space and it's just him in the rim and there's a 50-50 chance that he might not make the shot. <laughs> It's an experience It's the JaVale experience. So it's a plus minus, but it's really psychedelic in the, in the middle. <laughs> he, he, he did his job tonight, though, on the defensive end of the floor through over 14 minutes. Not a lot, but did his job out there when, when called upon. And then he scored 10 points over those 14 minutes because uh, Cleveland's horrific defense allowed so many easy at-rim opportunities. Even Jordan Bell gave him some good minutes. I think he had 10 points tonight. And, like, he wasn't a... You know, such a. Sometimes he's so erratic out there that you're like, okay, these they need to survive these minutes. He was actually useful, which is probably part of the reason they were able to stay in it. Besides KD going supernova. Yeah, I think the only person I would bring up is Andre Iguodala. If we're looking at plus minus plus fourteen, and he looked really shook on the offensive end early in the game, but you could definitely see later on him kind of like get accelerated, start making an impact on the defensive side, and he had that one big dunk that mm. I don't know how much it mattered in the long run, yeah. but it did seem to be like yeah. a, a momentum yeah, sure. changer within the game. All right, well, we got a special guest calling into the show tonight uh, to help us make <laughs> sense of the game, but mostly to talk about a very specific LeBron James play, and that's the homie Shea Serrano. Shea, can you hear me? Sounds like we're having maybe some technical difficulties with Shea a little bit. So we'll come back to him as soon as we can. I guess with the LeBron thing and the thing I wanted to talk to Shea about is that dunk, which even if I forget the Kevin Durant 40-some points, if I forget Rodney Hood's uh, you know comeback game, I'm never going to forget LeBron James's pretty much full speed off the backboard pass to himself <laughs> for an alley-oop, which was absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, do you think he meant... When do you think he decided to do the actual alley-oop in that situation? When he saw that Kevin Durant was underneath the basket and knew he would get out of the way immediately <laughs> as, as he went for that. Because LeBron just tossed it up and you could see Kevin just look up at him and then just completely just dash out of the way. I think it was especially impressive that he was doing it while falling all the, all the way down on the pseudo jump shot because he went up and then he's falling down and he had to throw it up and then still get enough jump to dunk it, which is, I mean... I don't know. That's just I, ridiculous. I will never forget the roar in this room. Yes. yes. So, all, all in unison's happening yeah. at the same time. We've seen a lot of dunks that's... in our life, too. I mean, we, and we yeah. went running all over the yeah. studio. That's great. Um, I, I thought that it was just an amazing moment that was uh, really telling about, like, where LeBron is in his career. He's still obviously physically capable of doing this amazing stuff on the floor, but there is something almost, like, melancholy about the fact that that's what he needs to do. In a way, it's the series of 
forgotten, well, maybe not forgotten because we're going to remember them, but of like wasted LeBron moments. I mean, he had the 50-point game. Yeah, exactly. He had the, now the dunk, and both of them in losses, and it's like, okay, what are we going to remember the series by? The J.R. blunder, the Warriors are going to end up with the title, and then LeBron did literally everything and more than he could have, and it's just well, like... He'll have the F- Finals MVP. Because uh, Justin likes giving guys who lose games uh, the LeGon games. <laughs> I like numbers. Um, I think we're going to be joined now by Shea Serrano on the line. I think Shay Shay heard all of our commentary on LeBron, and he was like, "I really have nothing else to add." You know, it's like I think he's pulling all his book of uh, of basketball and other things off of shelves because he's just like they're they're really made null. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about future LeBron. Because we were just talking about this idea that he, you know, this dunk is at once amazing, but is also kind of sad that he's not in an environment, he's in an environment where that needs to happen. You get swept in the finals, which probably will happen. You've got to pray for a Rodney Hood game like that. You're screaming at J.R. Smith. Kevin Love is giving you 20 and 10, but it's like kind of whatever. Are you staying or are you going? I am going, but I'm going to make the case for staying. Okay. If you look at this game, you see elements of what they can be maybe going forward. Obviously, the biggest issue earlier in the season were a lot of older guys, a lot of guys who kind of screwed up the locker room chemistry. But you are seeing hints that there are signs of things going forward. You have Larry Nance showing signs down low. I thought he would be a really impact five that would be able to run with LeBron and maybe get out on the open floor with some of those other guys when LeBron is on off the court. Uh, Rodney Hood. If there's anything left in Rodney Hood, I think he makes a lot of sense next to LeBron. Uh, and like some of these other guys, I think if, if another season or two, maybe like their options aren't all that great this offseason. I don't know. Maybe LeBron decides that plus the draft pick they're going to get is enough. I don't know. We're going to hold for once. Oh, this is amazing because we've got it's it's like literally like watching a telethon in the back of these guys trying to call Shay. I hope Shay has like the most amazing kernel of wisdom. I just also want to say that you're essentially trying to sell me a car that takes leaded gasoline and you have to <laughs> kick the door to open it. But I appreciate your sell job. You're like he's gone. Okay, oh, yeah. Shay, <laughs> prayers up. Yeah, Shay. Oh my gosh. This is like what happened when E.T. phoned home. I'm so excited to talk to you. Let's talk about that dunk in the first quarter because otherwise there's nothing good to talk about for Cleveland. Um, do you think LeBron, when do you think in that play LeBron knew, I'm going to throw a full speed alley-oop to myself? He knew that um, as soon as Kyrie Irving got traded in the offseason. He knew as soon That's as Kyrie he Irving he got traded. That. Um, when you watch a game like this from LeBron where he puts up 33 and, and 10 and 11, are you sad for him that he doesn't have like more more going on in t- teammate department to make these performances worthwhile? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how you can feel anything other than sad that you're watching a guy doing things that we've never seen before in the NBA Finals, and he can't have like one other person do two good things in the last minute of a game. Like it's un- it's unreal to watch it happen to him over and over and over again. Do you think that as like an experiment, he should try like one of those like Kobe games where he wouldn't shoot in the game in game four and just see <laughs> see what happens if he's just like Rodney Hood, Kevin Love, and J.R. Smith need to score a hundred points tonight? I'm just passing. Yeah. He should do that in this next game when they get swept on the way out. <laughs> so you think that they're definitely getting swept? hundred uh, percent, yeah. And do you think that this will be like LeBron James's last game as a Cav in Cleveland? Hundred percent, yes. Do you think that he's going to the San Antonio Spurs to join Kawhi Leonard and fortify the Alamo? 
Also, a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you rely on reliable one sources, one of those three things. One of those three things is probably not going to happen, but two of them definitely are. Is this a fun finals for you? Because we're trying to—I think we're all trying to get, make sense of it. I think there is something sad about watching LeBron be this good and watch this this finals be so one-sided. What do you think? There is something sad about the finals, but I think it's setting up what's going to be a very, very great moment when the Warriors eventually do lose. This is the part of the movie where the bad guy has to just like run wild and kill a whole bunch of people and be unstoppable to set up that he's a, this unstoppable bad guy. Do you think that LeBron is on the team that finally beats, beats them, though? Uh, I don't think so, no. Okay. I, I don't think so. You know what? Um, I was thinking about, about that. I don't know where he can go that it would make it feel great. I think, I think he needs to die by their hand, and then somebody needs to come behind him and you know, sort of avenge his Avenge honor. him. That's a good, maybe it'll be Kyrie. All right, Shea Serrano, thank you so much for bearing with us with technical difficulties and calling in. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, homie. Take care. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show group chat is brought to you by Michelin. Whether your tires are new or worn, you should have the confidence to get where you need to be. That's why Michelin designed the Michelin Premier Tires with worn performance in mind. Michelin Premier Tires are built to maintain wet braking performance throughout the life of the tire. Get there no matter the weather thanks to the Michelin Premier Tires Evergrip technology, which helps maintain wet braking performance even as your tires wear. And now you can compare the Michelin Premier all-season tires worn tire braking versus the leading competitors at michelinman.com slash long-lasting performance. Shay had the interesting point that what we're watching here is what we have to go through to get to the end of the Warriors dynasty. Like you have to see them yeah. in this Death Star moment of dominance before a Luke Skywalker can rise and do it. And he was saying he doesn't think LeBron's going to be that person. Ooh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I think LeBron certainly could be. Um, I, I wrote recently on, on The Ringer about that where this is LeBron's opportunity this summer to build his new super team to eventually take down Golden State. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think he certainly could be the guy. Maybe not. I mean, I think Boston or Philadelphia could be in the if it's the Eastern Conference. Sorry, was that second team? Philadelphia, <laughs> yes. I think one of those two teams in the East, but out West, if he builds a super team with the Lakers or joins the Rockets, certainly could be a LeBron-led team. Zach, do you have a social thing for us? Oh, yeah. One of my favorite questions of the night so far was, uh, where will LeBron take off his Cavs jersey after game four, mid-court, tunnel, <laughs> or his agents? It's a great question. That's a great question. Fantastic. I wonder if he pulls, even though he's getting swept, he pulls the Dirk and just, like, walks straight off. <laughs> like, like <laughs> in 2000. Yeah, untucks, just walks off to the locker room, never comes back. I think he wears it until he goes home. To Brightwood? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hangs it off. He gets afterwards. off the plane and unpacks, unpacks takes off his Cavs jersey. Yeah. He gives it to Bronny so he could wear it when he joins the league. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Um, I, so let's do some Believe It or Not. Um, I, this was a lot more vibrant when we had like a Cavs win and we could talk about Believe It or Not, Rodney Hood could lead the Cavs to a comeback here. Believe It or Not, um, Let's do Rodney Hood. So, like, do you believe it or not, is this the real Rodney Hood we saw tonight, or is this only home court with nothing to lose Rodney Hood? That, that is the on-paper Rodney Hood we should get, but I think the home court point is really good because it does seem like a confidence thing with him in terms of, like, very high-energy situations, and it seems like tonight he was a little more comfortable. So, if they play in Cleveland, I believe it. If they don't, then... Not so sure. This, okay. this is all the real Rodney Hood. <laughs> yes. Unreliable, injury prone, but also pretty good sometimes. Yes. 
That kind of sounds like something Dennis Hopper would say. It's all Rodney, brother. Uh, what about LeBron's uh, late period, like late game three point deficit being related to his uh, very, very dramatic ankle injury in which he untied and tied his shoes again? What do you think? Does that have something to do with his late? I mean, I know that you're not a doctor and. Well, you don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that. That's why I dress like this. Yeah. Um, no, uh, it's hard to say with LeBron. He's just never hurt. So, I, and I don't know how that is ever possible. <laughs> well, I mean, it definitely, he definitely seemed slowed for a little bit. Yeah. But he de- he seemed to get it back later. I mean, he shot one for six from three, so maybe he didn't have enough lift. But then again, LeBron never shoots. That it definitely game. seemed like after he had that ankle tweak, he was trying to take more shots closer to the basket as opposed to like sure. pulling up because he didn't seem like he had as much lift maybe and he, he didn't want to land I think awkwardly on the ankle. So if that, that's not a good sign. All right, believe it or not, CJ McCollum is coming for Kevin O'Connor's job with the takes. Wow. Here's what he <laughs> tweeted tonight at one point. These are facts. Warriors don't cheer for KD the same way they cheer for the others, LOL. I'm just calling it like it is. Warriors are a great team, though. KD shouldn't have gone there, LOL. Now, when he says the don't cheer thing, it's important to note that he was talking to about the fans, not the Warriors players. But... Uh, I, this could be some some Western Conference trolling on CJ's part. He's really good at content, though. Yeah, I mean, he has his own podcast, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. I'm surprised he didn't just hashtag whatever his podcast name is for. Well, it. you know, with, with, I, as a podcaster, you have to spread the stuff around multiple platforms <laughs> to true. like make you yourself. Would know. CJ could provide some content this summer when he's involved in trade rumors. Oh. Ooh. Um, do you think he's going to be a name that's thrown out there a lot? Him or Dame? Why not? If you're Portland, why not trade one of them? Split that up. Get another piece and a draft pick. Right. I love that approach to trades. Just why not? You know, just throw it in. Why not? <laughs> I mean, you got to break it up if you're Portland. Take yeah. advantage of this era, I think. No, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I do enjoy his tweets, though. Like, he's essentially, like, the fan. Because, like, every fan is saying, oh, the Warriors, like, like Katie going there, room basketball. So, I mean... If, if fans are into that, they'll probably like like and retweet, I'm for what, sure. For what it's worth, I would love to see CJ without Dame to see what he can do. Just as a quick aside. I'll just say as a journalist, I'm a little disappointed in CJ. Oh, I don't, wow. think, I don't think the APSE would, would really applaud <laughs> his, him breaking from the objective journalism sure. that, he, that he's usually known Maybe for. Maybe it's a tribute to Tom Wolfe. It's, it's first person, it's new right. journalism, right? Yeah, he's just shook right now. Uh, um, what do you guys think in terms of this? Believe it or not, the best way to beat the Warriors is still through the Eastern Conference. Because you've got basically these, you know, you've got a path to getting to this slaughterhouse that is the mm-hmm. finals. But we've talked a lot about like teams uh, basically bodying up, whether it be like a, a Paul George, LeBron James team up uh, for the Lakers, whether it be LeBron joining Chris Paul and James Harden in Houston. Do you think to get at the Warriors, you need to join that huge talent disparity in the West? Or should somebody see the light and say Cleveland should not be the team that's going every year? Is that, you know, because there, there was this ridiculous Stephen A. Smith rumor today about LeBron going to Boston, <laughs> which I do not think is in Kyrie Irving's Cheesecake Factory menu of dreams there. But I think it's worth, it's worth talking about a little bit. Is that the Cheesecake Factory? Right next to the, uh, the Chicken Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> it's right there. Cool. No, I mean... We've talked about this a lot, whether the path going forward is in the East or in the West. I think it's definitely interesting if he goes West because then the Warriors have to go through one more layer of a super team right. in order to get yeah. to those Eastern Conference teams. I still think the East 
at least for next year, is going to be softer. Yes, you have the Celtics who will be at full strength. Maybe the Sixers go out and get a Paul George, someone like that, to fortify that super team. But at the same time, it's maybe one team you have to be as sure. opposed to two or three. Where you, you have to imagine the Spurs, let's just say the Spurs are better, and they were almost a 50-win team without Kawhi this sure. year, right? You have to imagine that one full season of Andre Robertson means the Thunder are definitely finals contenders. <laughs> Forcing out Carmelo. That's right. Yeah. Plus Andre minus Carmelo puts them in the finals contention. Pelicans. Houston, again, we Pelicans could be good with Boogie on a mid-level exception. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pelicans could be good again. You've got a Blazers team that was yeah. especially hot during the second half of the season. Four, five, six good teams in the West versus one or two or three in the East, right? Sure. Uh, I think, you know, if you're LeBron, maybe maybe there's greater appeal in the West because if you don't even let Golden State get to the finals, that's pretty special in yeah. my eyes. Um, but in terms of the easier path, of course, it's, it's still the East. Granted, Boston and Philly should both be better next season. Yeah, I've come around to this because at first I was very much like LeBron should stay in the East because that just gives him an automatic pass to the finals. But I think it depends on the perspective that he has because if he wants to, if he can build another super team in a, on a West team, then I think that's what he's going to do as opposed to like with the East, it seems like he can still get to the finals with a decent to good team. You this know? is the most fascinating thing about LeBron's summer. It's different than the way it was when he went to Miami and it's even different than when he went back to Cleveland. Is It's not that we don't know his destination, we don't know his intentions. Exactly. Are, is he interested in sort of twilighting a little bit and becoming more of like a mover and a shaker and maybe playing like 30 minutes a game, 28 minutes a game, like the Chris Paul season this year and kind of setting up a team to be great with either a combination of young guys and maybe one other star? Or does he still see himself as this kind of maximum effort, maximum cost LeBron, who is going to be the centerpiece not only of the team like in, like emotionally, but also in terms of ball dominance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if he goes to Houston, if he goes to Philly, two of the teams that are most rumored for him to go to, he would definitely be fitting in to something that they already have that is successful. Ah. I think not fitting out. Right. Uh, and, but I do think the Lakers, maybe that provides him the similar enough opportunity to go there and you look at his previous stops, we've talked about this in the past, he just needs the raw assets and maybe the cap space in order to build the type of team he needs around him to really provide him the opportunity to be good. And you look at what the Lakers have, they have a lot of young guys and they have the cap space to sign a Paul George. He could essentially do what he did four years ago with the Cavs. I think no matter where LeBron goes, it's it's everybody talks about how the East is an easier path to the finals. It's not about making the finals. It's about winning the finals. So it's about creating a team that actually has a chance to win the whole damn thing. And whether that's in the East or the West, it doesn't matter. It's about what what provides the best opportunity towards that. And I think the Lakers, as they have been in the the whole way, in my opinion, are the most appealing in terms of short-term and long-term if you're looking for all of it. If you want to go the mercenary route, it's it's Houston, Houston, of course. Yeah. Well, I think what was interesting is one of the other teams that Stephen A. mentioned, Golden State Warriors. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh, well, there's no point in having an NBA if that happens. Well, maybe we can start watching AHL hockey. <laughs> <laughs> what about or this? NHL hockey. <laughs> so what about this? Jared, speaking of NBA player tweets, Jared Dudley tweeted out, after this ring, I hope KD goes somewhere else and tries to win one with his own team. Yes. He got his validation. Oh. He's one of the best in the West. It's time. Just my opinion. When did we all become Kevin Durant's therapist? This is a real, like, it's like a brilliant industry. Well, he he had that quote in The Athletic about how, you know, he's looking for, you know, approval from his his peers, right? 
So he didn't want to be Charles Barkley, and now he's got it. Now everybody's on Twitter like, Katie, you should leave. All these players are out there saying, Zach, have we had any Durant tweets tonight that are interesting at all? Or? Uh, no, not a ton. More, more circling around the MVP Let's hear it. Well, it's, it's did, did Curry throw his away, right. and did Durant lock it up tonight? We did have one kind of about the, the three-game performances. Sure. Uh, if you had to go back and rewatch any one performance, do you watch Peak LeBron in Game 1? Hmm. Peak Steph in game two, or do you rewatch Peak uh, KD? LeBron number one all, like every day and twice on Sunday, just because yes, it yes. also felt like it was the most alive this finals has felt. It feels like Herculean, too. It, but like, it's also know? the moment where anything was possible in this right. finals, and it just, it, ever since that J.R. Smith blunder, it feels like any kind of like tension <laughs> of this finals has slipped away farther and farther. Yeah, I mean, they've been in these past two games, which seems unlikely, but the way we're going to paint this is as soon as they lost in regulation and J.R. Smith didn't make the correct play, it was all over. Which isn't necessarily true, but it definitely feels like that was inevitable based yeah. on that. It was a great rebound by J.R. Smith. <laughs> it was incredible. It was a great, rebound, great he, hustle. He had a shot in the game tonight that wasn't exactly the same shot, but he was like near the rim and he just like laid it up and made it and it looked like it, what it could have been the shot he could have taken after he got the rebound. He would have passed it to LeBron. What I still can't believe it. He had perfect angle to make the play. He just... Can't read the play we'll, quickly. We'll relive that. Fight. That's like oh. one of the. It's it's really like one of the great blunders I've seen in yeah. a really long time in the pro sports. All right, before we go, I just wanted to talk about one piece of news that came across today. And Kevin, you've been working a lot on NBA draft stuff the last couple of weeks. We had DeAndre Ayton. This felt <laughs> a little bit like context would have been helpful. A lot of guys say I should be the number one pick. I think I'm the best player in the draft. DeAndre Ayton worked out for the Phoenix Suns today and came out and said, I will be going number one. Phoenix Suns have the number one pick. <laughs> was this an out-of-context quote where DeAndre Ayton is just saying, I believe in myself, or was, did he walk out of that room with a promise? Well, I, I, I do. Th I hope it goes better for Phoenix than it did last year, and Ben Simmons and, and Robert Covington all showed up for the first workout, but I think it's an indication when you have all those players show up that you might want guys to meet the, the likely selection, sure. right? Um, I do think that's certainly an indicator. And all indications were prior to this workout today that Robert Sarver, Phoenix Suns owner, has strong connections with Arizona Universe, uh, University of Arizona. So I think that's another strong indicator. Not to mention, he's a pretty amazing prospect. Um, to both ends of the floor, potentially down the line. Potentially both potentially. ends of the floor. Potentially. Defense is a question. That's, that's not what I want from my center is defense is a question. Is that a huge mistake? Is, everybody gonna, is this going to go down as the I can't believe you passed on Luka thing? It, it could. Uh, I think Luke is obvious. We have him number one. Me, Danny Chowley, and Jonathan Sharks all have him number one in the Just like draft Fultz guys. last year, so that just worked like, out Exactly. Well. Does that work out well for us? <laughs> <I> <laughs> mean, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. It, 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 just because Luka is consensus one uh, across a lot of websites, including the Ringer, it, it doesn't mean DeAndre is not the right pick. I think fit-wise, he, he fits better with Devin Booker and Josh Jackson based on the team need. You're not going to draft for need. I think DeAndre is a perfectly fine number one pick. Because you're going to need big men in the 2020s yeah. in the NBA. I haven't watched these guys closely, but my only thing is, like, how many centers have been playing in these last couple rounds? Yes. Look at the Western Conference Finals where P.J. Tucker is effectively your center. I yeah. just think if you have a guy like Luka and he seems like he is worthy of the number one pick, why not go there and just develop that backcourt? This is something me and Danny talked about recently, and Danny actually wrote about it on The Ringer, where I think we, we can't get locked into what it looks like with Houston versus Golden State because... 
every other series still had big men like Stephen Adams, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid. Al Orford, Joel Embiid, Clint Capella. Like every yeah. even in, right now in the finals, Tristan Thompson against Javale McGee. I mean, I mean, those aren't starters. Those guys are playing. Those, those aren't, we're talking, neither of those well, guys were well, what I mean is like, picks. It's not like the big man has been eliminated completely. It's not all small ball with Draymond at the five or KD at the five. The big man still has a role. And then in the eight, this year's draft and in the 2020 draft, there's going to be a lot of big men in addition to the development of Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, when those guys are playing on contending teams. So you're saying teams, the sheer amount of big man talent in the league will necessitate teams yes. looking for other big men to counter exactly. that. It's a great yeah, point because yeah, yeah. I don't know if a lot of these unicorns, they're going to step up and we're seeing them play the, the smaller guys off the court, especially if they're able to shoot a little bit more. Well, no, not, especially if not if Giannis just discovered Kool-Aid tonight, so he probably <laughs> won't get a new bit. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. But, but at the same time, I mean, Clint Capella had to cede the floor for P.J. Tucker at times. So I don't know. Maybe you're getting to the situation where we haven't reached that point yet. It just feels like right now, and I, and I, I, thought, I thought Danny's article about this was great and like, he made me really think about it, but it just feels like right now and for the at least near foreseeable future, big men's can only be great building blocks and like could, can be amazing players in certain situations, but when you need a big game and, and you need somebody to go out there and win the game for you, I just have a hard time seeing how somebody does that. Embiid is the first guy who I thought about and be like, okay, that maybe he is that guy. Yeah, sure. But that's why, I've, like I said before on, on, on the pod, like I'm just like, right now I'm just a little out on bigs and why I would draft Luka first. Well, it'll be a fascinating debate for the rest of the next couple of weeks. Before we get out of here, I mean, I'll, I'm going to ask just to cross my T's and dot my I's. Sweep? Yeah. No, five. Ooh. Let's go five. Okay. Sweep. Sweet. We were almost Legion of Broom. I think this is over on Friday, sadly. Um, I, it, I could, it would be surprising to see the Warriors. I think that actually sweeping would be an, a really good statement for them. Especially mm-hmm. after they let one up last year. Yeah. yeah. All right. So for Justin, Kevin, Paolo, all the guys in the back, the squad in the control room, thank you for joining group chat. We hope to bring you another show next week. If not, you'll probably see a bunch of us for draft stuff. Take care. Until then. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.